0: Well, hello there, top teachers. We are your hosts, Michelle Emerson. And Bridget Spackman. And we are here to make your life easier by helping you master your time, organization, and productivity as a teacher. Today is a
1: big episode. We are going to be making all your teacher dreams come true (laughs) by discussing how to only work contract hours as a teacher. This is something we all strive for and ultimately want to achieve, but the reality is it's hard. So if you're feeling stuck
0: and can't seem to turn off your teacher brain when you get home, this episode is for you. You know, and I want to kind of pause really fast because I think Michelle and I have really been on this journey ourselves, right? And it is, I think, officially been, has it been like a full year, where you and I have successfully been able to work only contract hours. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It has. It has. It really
0: has. And we've done a lot of the things and we haven't really done this this episode yet because we we want to be able to practice what we preach, right? We want to make sure that the the things that we share with you really truly do work. And so, I feel great knowing that I leave at the end of the day and I'm still a really good teacher. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I'm getting really ahead of here. So let's go ahead and I'm going to pause for a second and let's hear a TSH from a top teacher. So this teacher says, feeling like I have too much to do. Priorities get lost in all the showers of things that admin wants, parents want, students need, I need, etc. cetera. What comes first? Where do I fit in with this? With the remote learning, I have ended up online some days from 6 a.m. until 10 p.m. or later. It made me feel overwhelmed, unmotivated, and yes, inadequate. Where did my boundaries go? How can I get them back? You all can't see me, but the entire time Bridget
1: was reading that TSH, I was nodding my head because I have been there. I think we all have. And the reality is, it's hard. It's difficult. I'm not going to stand here. Well, technically, I'm sitting. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you all and say, oh, well, it's easy. You just do X, Y, and Z. And then all your teacher dreams come true. That's not the reality. Now, hopefully today's episode will help, but I feel like we both should kind of outline our journey as a teacher because we want to make it clear that we did not start by only teaching contract hours. It's something we've had to learn over time, and obviously it's something that comes with experience, but we are here to help you get there faster than What it took us, right? Like it took us several years to get to this point. Our hope for you is that you can get there faster by learning from our experience. So, Bridget, how about you start?
0: And I really want to remind people we've been teaching for a very long time. So I'm going on to my ninth year of teaching. uh, And like I said, it's only been this past year that I feel as though I've been really successful at being able to truly only work contract hours. So let let me kind of throw that out there too. So when I first started teaching... Um, I would spend almost 12 hours a day inside of my classroom. I'm not even joking. Ian was with me and I remember days where I would call my mom and tell my mom to come pick Ian up from the school and then she would take him home because I was living with my mom. I was a single mom and um, I would do work, but then I would take work home and then I would do more work like laminating and cutting like in front of the TV, you know, while Ian was going to bed, all of that stuff. The more that I feel like I've embraced my own teaching style and really developed systems that have worked for me personally and my life, um, the less I started to take home, which was really, really huge. I think it's been, like I said, just this past year where I feel like I have my lessons completed during school and I'm no longer working on schoolwork at home. You know, I'm doing things maybe to continue my growth and my professional development because I enjoy that, right? It's an enjoyment. It's something that I love to do is to read and to continue my knowledge, to continue growing. But I'm able to spend more time with my family um, and I'm able to leave at 345 at the end of the day, which is huge.
1: Yeah. So I'm in my seventh year of teaching. So I'm just a little bit... Um, you know, behind Bridget in terms of experience. And honestly, I feel like our friendship is one of the things that helped me get to this point sooner, which I'm very grateful for. When I think back to my internship, which Billy and I started dating in December, and then my internship started in January. So he was there like right at the beginning. I have these memories of (laughs) <laughs> At one point I was interning in a first grade class and we were doing this whole like shark theme and I remember it being like 1am and Billy was over helping me create these shark hats for my kids out of little party hats and we were gluing triangles to it to make the teeth. Like <laughs> this was a very real thing. And then my first year of teaching, I remember there was a subway and then also this like locally owned restaurant. Um, Actually one of my students' parents, like their family owned it and I would Leave school at like 5, I'd go grab dinner, come back to school, and I would eat dinner in my classroom while I was working on stuff, like Bridget said, like cutting, laminating, grading papers, all of that, to the point where I was asking the custodian how late I could stay. And I remember the custodian at one point, he's like, well, like, we usually leave at 11, so like, you have to be out of here by then. I was like, okay. And I literally was leaving at 11 p.m. when the custodian was leaving, which is so absurd. Now, I will say it got a little bit better each year. Um, Obviously, I got more experience. I started to learn more efficient ways to do things in order to save time. I had planned lessons that I could reuse every year, and that helped to save time. But I also think a big shift for me is that at the beginning, teaching was my obsession, right? This was a career I had wanted since I was in second grade. And so, because it was my obsession, I put everything into it, which I just have naturally an obsessive personality anyway. So, I. Yeah, I tend to become very obsessive with things, and I did that with teaching. But over time, I've realized I have these other passions, right? I have a passion of helping other teachers through YouTube, through the podcast. I have a passion for fitness and being able to work on powerlifting. And so I have forced myself to become less obsessed with teaching so that I can explore these other passions. Now, last year... Because as Bridget mentioned, it kind of took us like it's really been a full year where we're now working only contract hours during last school year, I would typically stay at school until five because at that point Billy would get off work and we would meet at the gym. and so that really helped to limit the amount of time I was spending at school. then last, oh gosh, was it February I think it was February um I last year did like monthly challenges. so January, I got up at 5 a.m every morning. February, I did a challenge where I left school every single day at the end of my contract hours. And for me, that was really that shift. It forced me to leave school at four because that's the end of my contract hours. And even though I would basically go just kill time until Billy was going to meet me at the gym, it allowed me to like go do some of those little errands that I felt like I never had time for before. And it was just a good feeling. And I remember people asking me, well, did you get to school earlier? Did you work on stuff when you got home? And it was like, no, I found a way to just have it done by four because I told myself that I was leaving at four and I needed to have my work done. And I made changes to be able to have that happen. So this is really the first year that I've been able to stick to that, like long term. Um, It's still not perfect, but I would say 95% of the time I'm sticking to it. And when I don't, it's a choice, right? At the beginning, I felt like, if I wasn't, well, I mean, my first year I was never working contract hours and I felt like it was out of need. I felt like if I didn't work, you know, five extra hours after school, I wasn't getting it all done. Now, if I do work after 4 p.m., it's a choice. Maybe I'm like, hey, I just want to get this done and off my plate. So maybe tomorrow morning I can have a slower start to my morning. And I don't have to jump right on and start answering emails like it's something I'm choosing to do. Now, keep in mind, we are still virtual. I am teaching from home. I feel like this has made it a little bit easier. But at the same time, being at home can make it very easy to just stay on your laptop. So for me, when it's 4 p.m., I close my laptop. I work on like house stuff like cleaning, laundry, whatever, until it's time to go to the gym. And it's just become a habit that I've really stuck with.
0: And so you're going to end up hearing us really talk about some of the same things that we've constantly been mentioning here on our podcast. And guys, we're saying these things and we're repeating them over and over again because they work. We're not saying it because we don't have any good stuff. We don't have any new things that we want to share with you. No. This is this the is best the stuff. stuff that we could possibly share with you because we know it's going to work and it does truly change the way that we have um we view our work and our life and how we balance both of those. So in reality, I think we oftentimes will try to complicate things more than what they need to be, right? We're always looking for, you know, new ways to reinvent the wheel or, you know, a new perspective on how to look at this one thing. When the one thing was already really working Pretty well to begin with. But it's like, and I think it kind of goes back, Michelle, to this last episode that we did, um, 056, where we talk about how we try to make things into a hoot nanny and we want to make them fresh and exciting and fun. And so we go out and we buy things and we have more stuff. It's like kind of that same type of idea where it's like we have this thing, it's working pretty well, but I think we get bored with it. And so we want to make it really flashy and we want to make it fun and exciting exciting. exciting. Uh, And so we complicate it more than what it needs to be. You know what I mean? Yes. And I also think people don't stick
1: to it consistently and then they fall off the wagon and they go, oh, well, this isn't working. They're not honest with themselves and go, oh, well, I haven't actually been doing it. The reality is if you consistently stick to it, It's going to work. And if it's not working, you need to be honest with yourself, have some tough love and go, you know what, have I really been doing this the way it's supposed to be done?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So what we're going to do is Michelle and I are going to share specific things that have really worked for us to be able to get to this point. So how did we get to this point? And it's a lot of the things that we've shared over this past year on this podcast. Okay. Okay. But we're going to share the things that we have really found to be the essential pieces to helping us to really only work contract hours. So uh, I think Michelle has two points and then I have two points. uh, And so we're going to kind of go back and forth and just tag team it. Actually, I think we each have three. (gasps) We have three. Um, I
1: think so. I'm scrolling. Oh, yeah, we We got three.
0: (laughs) Three is a good number. I like the number three.
1: Yeah, buckle up. Three details, up. Um, three examples. It's perfect. <laughs> All right, I'm going to start us off. My first like thing that has really worked for me and, and allowed me to work only contract hours is finding a greater purpose or passion outside of teaching. I think whenever we are trying something new, like so if we're trying to leave contract hours and that was not something we were doing before, you need a why, You need your why. Why am I doing this? And for me, it was having these passions outside of teaching and being able to leave at the end of my contract hours allowed me to spend more time on these other passions. When I first started, I felt like teacher was the only part of my identity, which part of that was I was young, right? Like I was 20 when I started teaching. I didn't have a lot of other roles in my life to really explore. But now what? Wait a second.
0: You were 20 years old when you started teaching? Yes, because I... You couldn't even go and buy a drink to let loose at the end of the day. Yes, and
1: that's (laughs) what made my first year so hard. So I graduated college in only three years instead of four. I graduated a year early. And because I have an October birthday... I was only 20 when I started teaching. Wow. I remember my 21st birthday was on a school night. So Billy and I went to Outback Steakhouse and (laughs) I had like one, you know, adult beverage and it was like, well, got to get up and teach tomorrow. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so now I see myself as so much more. I see myself as an athlete. I see myself as a wife, which still feels really weird to say. I have not gotten used to that yet. I see myself as a business person. I Entrepreneur, entrepreneur, I don't know, but I'm also, you know, running my own business. And these are other passions that give me purpose outside of the classroom. When I first started, I spent so much time working on school because I felt like it was all I had to work on. And I am that type of person. Like I said, obsessive personality. I do like throwing myself into work. That brings me joy and when I was 20, all I had to throw myself into was teaching. But now I see value in these other areas of my life. And I feel accomplished in those areas. And that brings me just as much joy. So your greater purpose may be your family, or it may be a goal that you have. And if you are early in your teaching career, and you're like, yeah, but none of these things fit me, Start a new hobby. What is something you've always wanted to do? If you weren't a teacher, what would you be doing? And start to explore that passion because it's going to give you that why behind why you are only wanting to work contract hours. You
0: need that greater purpose. I love that. So um, for me, one of the really big things that truly worked, um, it's going to go back to this last episode that we had, and it was minimizing the amount of items that I have, I really kind of touched a lot about this on episode 056. So guys, go and listen to that episode on how to do more with less. And I truly kind of dive into, you know, this understanding of minimizing and why we should start minimizing and how it really helps us to feel so much less pressure. We're putting so much pressure on ourselves. We, we have less pressure now um, because we're, we're consolidating. We're being more creative with less things, essentially. So some of the big things that really, really worked for me over the course of this last year where I've only been working contract hours is going digital. I, I mean, I feel like I kind of, I've always been a really techie person. I love technology. I love new tech. I get really excited with new tech, but I still think that I had that separation between new technology and then I would still have like my paper stuff. Like I would still have all this stuff on papers, but I, over the past year, I have really started to minimize all of that. Um, and now I have an iPad and I have a laptop and those are my essentials. I have gone digital using my uh, planner. So I used to have a paper planner. In fact, I had multiple paper planners, but now I only have one digital planner and that's our planner. I mean, if you guys want to go and check it out, I'm using the one we made it, Michelle and I, it's our baby. You can go and look at it. It's, you know, over on com forward slash store. All right. Um, and then I've also really looked at Google Drive and I've really embraced Google Drive. I remember. It was in kindergarten. And I remember somebody telling me about Google Drive. I think it was actually the school because the school did have a Google Drive that they shared with us. Guys, I fought it. I fought it in kindergarten. I did not want to do it. I did not like it. I thought it was horrible. I was not about to start uploading all of it. I was like, I need to protect it here on my flash drive. It's like, because it was almost like a physical thing that I could really hold. Maybe that was it. My flash drive was like a physical thing piece of my files that I could like hold on to but now I've kind of let that go. Guys, this is like revolutionary that I'm just ha- I'm having like a moment <laughs> where I'm realizing what were my issues. But I've taken all of my files now and I've moved them over to my Google Drive. So I no longer have hard drives. I don't have flash drives. I don't have physical paper items that I'm really worrying with. Um, I use specific key resources over and over and over again when it comes to those digital pieces. So instead of having like all of these different books and these you know, different binders that I'm looking at now because I was a binder girl. If you go back to some of my videos I was a hardcore binder girl. I have not touched my binders in over a year. I have no idea what's inside of those binders. So I'm just going to end up purging them. So I use key resources that I store within my Google Drive. And then the last thing that I've really done with that is that I've also reduced my paper flow when it comes to going digital. I don't have the amount of paper that I'm having to sort through in my classroom. I don't have a bunch of stuff that I'm trying to work with at the end of the day because everything is digital at this point. It makes it so much easier for me to make sure that everything's clean. I like turn around and I'm like, well, I don't really have anything to put away because everything's on my computer. So at the end of the day, I can just get up and go between checklists, lesson plans, resources. All of that is on my laptop now. It makes it really, really easy to just kind of say, I'm ready to go. Throw my iPad in my backpack and I'm done.
1: I love that. I feel like a lot of teachers get sucked in at the end of the day of like cleaning up their classroom and they feel like they're never going to finish. And so they end up staying there before you know it. They say, oh, I'm only going to be here for 10 minutes. And then like an hour has passed and they're still cleaning up papers. So I feel like that's huge. Yeah. For me, the second thing that has helped me be able to stick to working contract hours is dedicating my planning time to specific things. Can I pause you
0: real quick? Yeah. Because I just want to mention this to everyone. When Michelle and I were sitting down and we were writing these out, there were a lot of things that we were like, oh, I wanted to say that, but now I can't because she's saying it. We really did try to come up with different items to be able to share. But we both do, I think, all of this, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Basically, Bridge and I sat down, and we were each going to make a list of three things. And so we were looking at what the other person like wrote. We're like, "Oh, but I wanted that one." So I know. Yes, these fit for both of them. Yeah, uh, for both of us. Okay. Anyway, uh, so dedicating my planning time to specific things and then sticking to that schedule week after week. When I first started teaching. I remember my students would go to their like special and I would sit there and I'm like, I have so many things to do and I don't know where to start. Yep. <laughs> so for me, really coming up with a schedule allowed me to be so much more efficient with my tan- my, pl- my tanning time. <laughs> that would be interesting. My planning time. So if you are feeling like your planning time comes and goes and you don't get anything done, this tip is for you. I personally like to have my lesson plans for the next week done by the middle of the current week. So for me, I'm only planning basically two like core subject areas because of being departmentalized. So I dedicate Monday to planning math. I dedicate Tuesday to planning science and then Wednesday is for planning all of those other small things so right now because of virtual we have some kind of new things we do these environmental literacy lessons so I will get that planned we have this time period called academic flex it's a time for us to like reteach certain skills that our students need more time on so I will plan whatever lesson or activity I'm gonna do during that time on Wednesdays Thursday I typically don't have planning time, so it works out well that I don't really have anything I have to do. I only get planning like four days a week, essentially. So Thursday is a wash. Friday, I will spend my time like answering emails, scheduling my weekly email that I send to parents with like an overview of the week. And it's really that time to kind of go above and beyond. So if there was an idea that I had and I was like, ooh, but I don't know if I'm gonna have time to plan it, I'll spend time on Friday doing that if if I can, right? If other things take over my time, it's fine. It's not a big deal. It's going above and beyond for a reason. Mm -hmm. I feel like one of the things that has helped me be able to dedicate my planning time to just planning is I maximize my time in other areas. So if I'm waiting for a meeting, I'm going to be grading papers. Or if my students are working on an assignment because we're virtual, I'm gonna start grading them as soon as my students turn them in. I will grade them, give them feedback and turn it in. And that works really well because then my students are getting their feedback right away. Now, keep in mind right now, because of being virtual, there's certain tasks that are off of my plate, right? I'm not making copies. I'm not dealing with any physical materials. But at the same time, I also have new things that have been added to my plate. Like I have to recreate the wheel for pretty much every lesson because we're now doing it digitally. So I can't use what I already had in the past. Mm -hmm. So even though I am saving time in some areas, I also am spending more time than I used to. But all I did was shift my schedule. Like I used to make copies on Wednesdays, but now I'm using that time to plan some of those new things like the environmental literacy lesson or the academic flex lesson that I didn't used to have. So I just shifted my schedule, but I still have dedicated days and dedicated times to get done what I need to get done so that my lesson planning is off of my plate. And I, I I, know if I stick to that schedule, it will get done.
0: And I think that's the hardest part for so many people is being able to stick to that schedule, right? We, When you're at the physical school, when you're brick and mortar, you are distracted with so many different things around you. You have different teachers that are wanting to talk to you. But more than anything... What we're what we want to tell you is yes, have the schedule, but the most importantly, you have to truly stick to it. You have to sacrifice certain things, like chit chatting with you know your partner teacher, to make sure that you are getting things done. Um, and you don't have to be rude, but you could just say, "Hey, I really need to finish this, but so that I can leave at the end of the day." Um, and other people are good, totally going to understand. So keep that in mind is is you have to kind of um, end up at, at the end of the day, you have to tell yourself, you know, this is all on me. Nobody else is going to do the schedule other than me. And so I have to force myself to do it. And I love that you use the word sacrifice
1: because that's the perfect word. You have to decide how bad do you want it? How bad do you want to be able to leave school at the end of your contract hours? And that goes back to what I said before. You need that greater purpose. You need that thing that's going to push you so you realize, you know what? I'm making that sacrifice so that I can have this because that's what life is. You make sacrifices to be able to meet those goals and accomplish things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So the second thing that I put on my list is I started to really develop my own personal style as a teacher. Um, In my journey at the very beginning, I kind of went through different phases. My first year, I want to say that I was just trying to survive. And so I was taking what other people were doing and I was trying to just, you know, use that and just run with it. But what I found was that I didn't feel very secure in that because it's not something that I created. It wasn't something that I made up. And so I felt like I was trying to be in somebody else's brain, which is really difficult to do. (laughs) You can't think like other people. You can only think like you. And so I struggled with with that my first year. And so I was trying to figure out and interpret these lessons that other people were creating. And I was trying to make it work for me. And it wasn't. My second through, I want to say my third year, my second or third year, I was trying to be somebody that I wasn't. I was trying to keep up with the Joneses. I was looking at what these bloggers were doing because this was, I think, right before Instagram had really made it super huge. I was trying to be like what these bloggers online were doing. And I saw what they were doing and I wanted to do it. And so I was trying, you know, to work through all of this and implement all of these things that they were doing. Again, me not trying to really embrace who I was as a teacher. And so I really have been over this journey as I've just been getting older And getting into like a different stage in my life where I have now started to embrace who I am as a teacher, who I am as an individual, and stop trying to be like everyone else. You know, you have that really cool teacher who uses a guitar to start morning meeting. I'm not a teacher that can use a guitar to start morning meeting. It's really, really cool. And while I do have that personality where I like to learn new things and like shiny object, we talked about, you know, the different uh motivation types, you know what is it where we fall off the motivation wagon there? I can't be that person. And so I had to embrace who I was and be okay with me personally. And I think that was almost like a journey of just uh, self-acceptance and being, uh, being happy with who I am as an individual and recognizing that I am a good teacher while I may not be doing what other people are doing. I do have my own really good qualities. So I've really worked over time to build this and that's kind of the the big thing that this will end up taking you time but kind of start that journey now and start thinking about what makes you you. Um, You're going to find out what type of teacher you are in this entire process and so in, in during this process I have really pinpointed you know, the way that I like to give lessons and the things that I kind of stick to. And instead of trying to, you know, be what other people are being, which was consuming my time, it was totally taking up so much of my time. I have now recognized this works for me. It works for my students. I'm going to continue doing the things that I'm doing now. So I created these routines um, where I would, you know, say that I need to have, you know, A, B and C and D for each lesson. And so it made it really easy for me to plan because I embraced that. Another thing that I've really done is that instead of me creating games for my students, which is what I was doing in the beginning, I was trying to be like these bloggers making these really cute activities. Guys, I am not that person. I am not that creative, to be honest. I'm really smart when it comes to teaching strategies. I really got that down, but I am not a super creative person. All the super cute creative stuff, that is gonna come from Michelle when it comes to this podcast. But instead of me trying to create games, I have my students create the games now because it's more meaningful for them. It's more exciting and it takes less pressure off of me. Instead of me building the questions to a quiz, I have my students build them. So I've taken an approach where instead of having a teacher-centered classroom, I have a student-centered classroom and that has relieved a lot of pressure off of myself as a teacher. I've really worked over the past several years to create lessons that are more meaningful by having my students do a lot more of the work. Um, and I've also really learned that this just works for who I am as a teacher. So once I started doing this, my planning process became more simplified and I was really able to get more done in less time.
1: Mm, that was like poetry. I Thank, you. That. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. All right. My last thing that has allowed me to stick to working only contract hours has been collaborating with my team. In full transparency, when I first started teaching, I planned everything alone. And it's just the way that my team at the time handled things. Like we would discuss what we were going to do the next week and then we went our separate ways. And I didn't know any different, right? Like that was my first experience as a team teacher. like I just thought that that's how it was. But when I moved districts, I started to form a closer bond with one of my team teachers who also taught the same subjects because, again, we are departmentalized. And so when we plan, we have full team collaborative planning, but it's more so planning events and things going on within fourth grade. But then we meet with our subject teacher. So For me, this other teacher taught the exact same subjects. And so we formed a really close bond and I could trust her to plan the way that I wanted. And I know that probably sounds awful, but let's be real. It can be difficult to collaborate with someone who does things in a very different way. But because we were able to get on the same page with, when we plan a lesson, it looks like this. You're going to create the slides. You're going to share the slides with the other teacher. You're going to put any notes in the Google Doc. Like We were very much on the same page. Now, this year, we are fully collaborating as a team because of the nature of virtual learning. And as a result, there's a lot less on my plate. Everyone has a specific, you know, responsibility. And because we have set out these expectations, because that is a huge thing, right? If you're going to collaborate, you have to have agreed upon expectations as a team. When are things going to be done by? What does it mean to have a lesson planned? Is it them writing up a Google Doc? Is it them creating slides? Like. What does that actually look like? You have to set this out as a team so that it is clear and there is no confusion. If this becomes a problem, just remind your team why you're doing this. It's going to help all of you, it's going to help alleviate some of that pressure. So, try sharing some strategies that you have in order to make it easier for your team. If your team is not really on board with this, like, Try to give them some ideas of, look, here's why it's going to make it easier for us and help them do it the way that you want. That probably sounds super manipulative and I apologize if that's how it came off, but You know, if I have a a certain way that I know like having lessons planned helps make it easier, I can share that with uh, with my team. I can create a template for all the slides and put it into a collaborative folder so that all they have to do is open up that template, make a copy, fill it out and it's done. Um, I also ended up creating a Google Doc for us to share the lessons with each other. It basically has a table. So for each lesson, we put you know, the Nearpod link and the link to the slides. And we tell them whether it needs to be posted as a material or an assignment and whether it's graded. And it's all in one place. Um, But ultimately, we are each scheduling these actual assignments on Google Classroom. So we still have control, right? Like if I need to give my students specific directions, I can do that on Google Classroom. But the actual lesson is ready to go and it's using that template. Now, if you are the only teacher for your grade level or subject area, I get it, it's hard. And, And I know you're probably like, well, I can't use this tip. But think, can you collaborate with another teacher in your district who also teaches that same grade or also teaches that same subject? Can you find another teacher in your state? Even if you don't follow the same curriculum, you're going to be teaching the same standards. So as Billy always says, where there's a will, there's a way. (laughs) And I've shared before, I call him Billy, but at work he goes by will. So he loves that phrase. He's like, where there's a will, there's a way. If you truly want this and you know that collaborating with others is going to make your life easier, you will find a way to do it. If you truly can't collaborate, think about how you can use some of the other tips that we've shared to still be able to get it all done on your own. But really try to utilize that collaboration as much as you can.
0: My final, I guess... Uh, method or strategy, I like that word better, that I have used to really be able to work only contract hours is batching my work. Now, we've talked a lot about batching um, on this podcast, and it's because it truly does work. So when I first started teaching, I was working week by week. I would plan my lessons for the week, and then I would uh, do the lessons, and then I would plan the lessons for the next week. And so in some ways, you know, that's kind of batching because you're batching for like a week at a time. However, it still wasn't enough. But now I batch my lessons to the point where I batch for an entire unit. So let me explain that. Um, And so the way that I kind of think of the learning now is if I want to teach this specific unit, let's say I'm doing a unit on creative narrative writing, I'm going to think of it as the entire thing and I'm going to batch that entire lesson. Now, that entire unit itself might take a month, it might be a month worth of lessons, a month and a half worth of lessons. So I batch for really big units. In science, we were working on earth and space science and we were looking at um, you know, stars, planets in relation to one another. And so instead of just planning for that week, I batched it for that entire unit. So when I sat down and I thought about that unit all in general, I was like, okay, well, where's my end point? What is it that I want my kids to be able to do? And I did a backwards design. And so I would plan out all of the different lessons that I would need to have. And so I had over a month's worth of lessons ready to go so that I wasn't having to stress about it. Yeah, it took a little bit longer, but because I was batching it, I didn't have to ever think and wonder, well now where do I need to go with this lesson to be able to get to the end? Instead, I knew my end, and so I was able to really go ahead and plan out all my lessons and I wasn't having to stress and think about it. Did I have to make some accommodations along the way and like make some little changes because kids weren't understanding? Absolutely, but that's what we do as teachers. The pr- the the process Um, And how I give the instruction is what changes, but what they're learning is not going to change. So I was able to truly build out my lessons. So this really kind of goes back to that second bullet of truly like understanding your curriculum and identifying your personal teaching style. So once you have that, I think you're able to kind of take batching to this next level of really looking at it as a unit versus looking at it as like a week by week type planning. Um, I have, uh, mountain math that I have to do every single week. And so, uh, one way that I was able to batch that is that I sat down and I was like, I'm going to do all of the mountain maths for, you know, the next, you know, 15 to 20 weeks. And so I sat down and I just, put them all within Schoology. I generated them. I got the lessons assignments ready. I got all of the supplement materials ready to go. So now I don't have to worry about it when I go back after break. I know that I have them all done. And at a certain point, I know that I'm gonna have to work for the next, you know, two or three months worth of Mountain Math for the remainder of the year. Um, That same thing goes with like my target, the question. I'm able to go ahead and plan really far ahead in it because I know exactly what they're gonna be doing. I have all the materials. I just need to get it all Ready and together. So I want to just kind of reiterate once again what I teach does not change. My standards never change, right? The process, I, they still have to learn addition and subtraction before they can learn multiplication and division. So the process, what I'm teaching in the order that I'm teaching it is not going to change. But how I present it to my students is what is going to fluctuate there. And I can make very minor changes as I kind of get to those points. But I am also know that I'm not going to sit for you know hours and hours and hours trying to create a lesson um, on presenting this information because I have like, the bones I'm just kind of adding in a little bit of meat. Um, so I really look at my progression and then I'm able to create like the bigger picture. And this allows me to work well in advance and I make minor changes as I kind of go along. So I'm going to tell you guys to go back and listen to episode 008, which is get more done using one simple trick. And that's all about batching. And so we go really in depth about how to go through the process of batching and, and the step-by-steps for each of them. Um, So definitely check it out. It's a It's a really, really good episode.
1: I feel like this podcast episode right now is kind of like an infomercial. Like we have given you six strategies, right? Finding a greater purpose or passion outside of your teaching, minimizing the amount of items that you have, dedicating your planning time to specific things and sticking to that schedule, developing your own personal style as a teacher, collaborating with your team and batching your work. But wait. There's more. (laughs) We have a new freebie for you all. And I I mean, look, I was excited for our last freebie you know, seven ways to jumpstart your productivity as a teacher. But I am even more excited for this freebie. This freebie is titled 30 days to only working contract hours the ultimate guide to stop bringing work home. Mm -hmm. Ooh, yeah. So this is like a 30-day challenge, if you will. When you download this free resource, you are going to be given 30 steps. So it's meant to be done in a month, but technically you could start this at any point and then it's just gonna take you 30 days. And by the end of that 30 days, I guarantee you, you are not going to be bringing as much work home. You're gonna be that much closer to only working contract hours. And this is something that you can do again again and again because Again, it's about building those habits, and it takes time. So if you find yourself falling off, just do the 30 days again, and it will help remind you of those habits and those goals that you need to set in order to make it a reality. So head over to our website, teachingonthedouble.com. Make sure you download that freebie. We promise it is going to revolutionize your teacher work-life balance. While you're on our website, go ahead and submit your TSH. Let us know what your time-sucking hurdle is is leave us a review on iTunes. We would love you, you know, forever, like even more than we already do. You would help make our teacher hearts that much happier. And until next time, be timely. Stay organized. And be productive. Bye-bye. See ya.